Hey, Kansas City, you're listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman, a weekly podcast from KCUR Studios. On this episode, we're branching out beyond the human species with an ode to a garden cat who made an impression on Kansas City. She was a wonderful cat. Haven't had any cat ever like her before. Probably won't ever again either. We're calling it Real Kittens. At the Ewing and Muriel Kaufman Memorial Garden, fall means softening sunlight, dark purple mums, and draining the fountains before temperatures plunge. For head gardener Dwayne Hoover, the main agenda item for November is planting tulip bulbs. But for the first time since 2004, he'll be performing this task without a critical crew member by his side. She was a lot of fun to plant with. His trusty garden cat. I'd lay out my bulbs and she'd be out playing with the bulbs and batting them around on the ground. And Crazy, with a K, was a plump gray tabby often seen napping in patches of sunlight. This cat was Kansas City famous. She had legions of fans who sought her out whenever they'd visit this garden in the city. She died in July and a sign paying tribute to her memory still sends visitors off weeping on a regular basis. But Dwayne Hoover misses her most of all. Crazy came to this hidden gem of a garden almost 18 years ago with a job to do. It was a dirty job, and she did it well. My friend Dale, who works at the Kansas City Zoo, brought her over to me January of 2004 because he knew I was looking for a a feral cat for the garden. He needed a hunter a cat who could handle intruding rabbits and... Things that may come up from Brush Creek. So, rodents. When she was young, she really did do an awesome job of keeping the rabbits and the rodents and things like that out of the garden. I mean, very rarely did I have a rabbit take down a whole line of lettuce or anything like that. Dwayne needed a scrappy cat, and Crazy did not disappoint. She had actually been dumped off at the back gate of the zoo, where I guess a lot of uh, domestic animals have been dropped off. When that happens, he explains that zoo staffers have to catch the animals fast so that diseases don't spread from one animal to another on premises. Crazy ended up not only caged, but pretty mad about it, hence her name. Back then... She was just mean. Every time Dwayne tried opening her cage, she attacked. I think a lot of that being mean was just being kept in that cage and trapped and transported and moved and not knowing where she was or where her life was going to end up. And then I was couldn't let her out just because of her attitude for a while. So he fed her with a funnel and he cleaned her litter by removing a tray at the bottom of the cage And little by little, he earned her trust. Come along March, April, she started getting a little bit better. I was able to put my hand into the cage and feed her and change out her water and her food. About May, I was wheeling her around in the cart on a set of wheels throughout the garden to kind of get her used to her new environment. And so I started letting her out then. She was given free reign inside the orangery an indoor space filled with fragrant citrus trees. Light streams in through stained glass windows. It's a significant upgrade from a cage. Dwayne and his garden cat got to be friends, but her wild streak didn't vanish immediately. So I just kind of started calling her, you're just a crazy old cat that doesn't know how good you have it. 
And so when I started calling her crazy, she just started coming when I called her that, like this is what I was supposed to be called. As far as Dwayne's concerned, Crazy the Cat named herself. All Dwayne did was make it official. As Crazy got to feel safe in her new home, her personality changed. She loved people, and she had a built-in sense about her that she could tell if you were sad or not feeling well, because often she'd just go up to someone in the garden that was sitting there and uh, jump up in the chair next to them and just hang out with them and just sit there. Dwayne says more than one visitor told him that the day she approached them in this way, they had actually come to the garden seeking consolation. They'd come here to kind of self-soothe in the presence of beauty. That's what brought me to this spot for sure. I started coming to these gardens almost daily with my son during the pandemic. When lockdown began, he was almost four, and as scared and uncertain as I was, I felt responsible for making this strange time as beautiful as it could be. So we came periodically at first just to give our sense of wonder a little nudge. For him, it served as a backdrop for elaborate adventures. For me, it was kind of the opposite, calling my thoughts back from the giant problems of the world to something simple and small and immediate, like a flower. Once ritualized, these short visits took on special meaning, and we clung to them past typical garden-going seasons. We hung around long enough to see the plants go dormant, to watch the snow cover the ground, and then to witness spring's return. At some point, without my realizing it, my small child had befriended the resident cat. He started searching for Crazy as soon as we arrived, studying her ways and reporting back on her habits like an aspiring feline correspondent. Then one day he noticed she was missing one eye. Thus far, I had been reasonably well-equipped to answer his cat questions, but what happened to her eye? That I didn't know. Dwayne fills me in. It was a cancer that was growing on the outside of her eye, and we had it removed twice. Um, it kept coming back. Given a choice of treating the cancer with radiation and chemotherapy, or removing the eye and cauterizing the socket, Dwayne considered Crazy's age and opted for the latter. She lived another four months. And then I noticed her cancer started growing back uh, in her eye because her eye started bulging out a little bit where it was sewn shut and she was pawing on it a lot. When Crazy passed away in July, the announcement from the Official Garden Facebook page drew more than 100 comments and numerous people admitted that saying hi to Crazy was their first order of business whenever they stopped by. I never loved a cat until I met Crazy, said one. She was definitely Kansas City royalty, said another. And one Kansas City transplant even says that Crazy helped make Kansas City feel like home. Everyone agreed that in the end, she was a good cat. And she bonded, especially with kids, which is unusual for a cat. We had kids that were coming in at a young age and would come back as teenagers and say, oh my gosh, this cat's still here. I came back many, many times and I keep seeing it over and over again that grew up with this cat. Several people after she died even brought pictures back of their kids with the cat through different stages of their life. 
My son is devastated by Crazy's death. It's his first loss, and he doesn't want to go back to the garden knowing Crazy won't be there. Dwayne says he can relate. I miss her every morning when I unlock the gate and she's not there waiting for me. But he reminds me of the lessons of the garden, going quiet around this time of year, then coming into full bloom every spring. We always hope that the seasons of life last a lot longer than a season of a garden. And she, she lived a great life. I mean, from 2004 to 2021, that's, that's, a, that's just a long life for a cat and living in a beautiful place. I mean, not too many people lived in as beautiful spaces she had to live in and enjoy. So she, I think, felt very special that she got to live here. This is a season of grief, but it's also a season of preparation. Dwayne wants me to tell my son that he will be getting a new garden cat in January. He'll show the rookie around the place after Christmas decorations come down because ornaments and kittens don't mix. And then in January, there won't be too many visitors or too much other work to distract him from the new employee needing orientation. When spring finally comes, after a quiet time of healing and transition, the bulbs that Duane is planting this week will finally come peeking out of the ground first as pointy little leaf tips, then colorful petals. Another cat will say hello, and another season will begin. That's it. Thanks for listening to Real Kittens by Gina Kaufman, a special episode of the Real Humans podcast from KCUR Studios. It's based on a column I write for KCUR.org that is usually about people, which is why we call it Real Humans, but we made an exception for crazy. The column is edited by Gabe Rosenberg, and the podcast is produced by Mackenzie Martin with music from Blue Dot Sessions. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and I'm out. Take it easy, Casey. Hey, I'm Suzanne Hogan, host of another KCUR Studios podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. You might also like our episode about Jim the Wonder Dog, a seemingly psychic dog during the Great Depression who blew people's minds. His eyes looked humanly intelligent. Check it out. A People's History of Kansas City, wherever you get your podcasts.